Hey everyone, welcome back to the Leadership Locker. It is your host, Rich Cardona, and you are in the right place. If you're a new entrepreneur, aspiring entrepreneur, a seasoned entrepreneur, looking to gain knowledge from industry experts and influencers from all kinds of niches. Uh, And I'm also gonna be on here on Mondays and Fridays, sharing lessons learned, documenting the journey and all that. But we're gonna get into my guest, who is Leah Turner, based out of the UK. Leah was someone I noticed on LinkedIn who who stood out tremendously. And for whatever reason, it took me a while to start actually consuming the content. I was too absorbed in trying to make sure my content popped until as great creators do, they show up in your feed over and over and over and over. And Leah's LinkedIn knowledge, her posts, her copy, her look, her vibe, all of it, was just like, whoa, this is different for LinkedIn. And look, there's some people killing it on LinkedIn. There's some women uh, who are awesome creators on LinkedIn, but I'm just not sure Leah has deep competition, like straight up. So when I found out about a LinkedIn international clubhouse group that I was part of or participated in daily for uh, you know almost a couple months, It was uh, with uh, a few other people and I was a moderator, you know, up there with Leah and some others. And it was great because it was a way for us to get to know each other uh, as people who were kind of obsessive about LinkedIn or based a lot of uh, some of our business off of LinkedIn. Well, listening to the way people in the audience asked questions when they came up on stage and listening to how she answered them, listening to just kind of the manner in which she was able to combine knowledge, humor, being casual, and also from time to time being kind of a hammer if she had to, which was rare, but uh, we talk about it in the podcast. But it was clear to me that she's just on a different level. So everything that I had seen was now confirmed by having these daily interactions with her. And then ultimately, I actually got to see one of her products because obviously we're friends. So here we are on Instagram and I'm DMing her. I was kind of just stuck. And I mean, look, if you're a content creator, it's easy to get stuck. And I got stuck. And Leah was happy to hook me up with one of her guides that had some prompts. And I was like, done that, done that. And then I was like, haven't done that, haven't done that, haven't done, whoa. And and I would look at a prompt and it would bring me to a bunch of different memories of personal professional experiences that I knew would make good content. So I went out and made a bunch of uh, batched content and uh, a bunch of them were derived from some of the prompts Leah gave me. And look, like this is one of those things where even if you are good in your opinion at LinkedIn or great or an expert or whatever it is, you should always be open to others who are doing the same thing. And it's like game recognizes game type situation. And look, this confirmed. So like, not only did I see her content and and just be like, wow, she really stands out. Then I got to interact with her, get to know her, hear her interact with others on Clubhouse. That was fantastic. And then when I saw her product, I'm like, look, she's got the trifecta going on. She can educate, she can entertain. Uh, she's extremely, extremely talented. And the thing is like, she's just kind of getting started. All right, she's a year into this. And this is one of those, uh, I don't want to say unicorns, but this is just one of those situations that people would look at and be like, oh, I can too. And yes, you can too. But look, she's been like someone who's been waiting to get let out of the cage for a minute, as you'll see. And she was someone who was living her life trying to prove people wrong and exceed expectations until suddenly this blessing in disguise of COVID really unearthed just a completely different 
person whose potential for marketing and business just transcended into a business that's just exploding. There's no other way to say it. So look, check it out. And look, I have to say this disclaimer, we're not going to get into LinkedIn tactics. Go to LinkedIn. There's plenty of people on there. You go watch YouTube videos. You can watch some of my YouTube videos if you want on LinkedIn. This is not about LinkedIn. This is about making a transition in your life. This is about how to implement instinctual success and how to kind of translate that into education for others. This is about recognizing yourself and what you're meant to do. And this is about determining what success means to you and how it differs from everyone else. This is about being an individual, feeling completely comfortable in your own skin and no one does it better than Leah. So let's go. So we just did our intro, we got Leah on. Leah, I'm gonna do what men are not supposed to do to women, which is ask them how old they are. How old are you? I'm 36. 36, and I just saw you posted not long ago on Instagram that a year ago I was doing X, Y, and Z. And the reason I mentioned your age is because you and I had similar pivots at similar times in our life. I was 38. Something has to happen where, uh, I like to call it a flashpoint, you know, where, where something happens where you're just like, fuck this, it's time for a change. So tell everyone, number one, what you were doing a year ago, and then we could kind of get into what you're doing now and and all the different things that have taken place ever since you kind of freed yourself, so to speak. So I guess it was just over a year ago now, but but I was still doing it a year ago. Um, I, I ran a transcription business that I started in 2011. Um, so I was basically taking interviews and podcasts and uh, building surveys and all sorts of really fascinating stuff wasn't fascinating at all. It allowed me to learn, but it wasn't very interesting. And I spent 10 hours a day typing what other people were saying. That was my life. And it was fine because it allowed me to be a bit of a digital nomad and work for myself. Um, I did it by accident. I fell into, I started doing it as a side hustle and it became successful quite quickly. And so it ended up my main hustle within, uh, in under a year. And I left my job. And then I just sort of thought that was it. That was my pinnacle. And I thought I got stuck in the trap because in the UK, when I when I had my son, um, I became what we call the benefit trap, where I'm, because I'm self-employed, I'm earning enough to keep me going, but not, but I'm still getting, I'm eligible for assistance. So I was getting help from the government to pay my rent as a lone parent with only one income. And that income was okay, but it wasn't enough to cover everything. So they gave me assistance, but it meant that if I tried to save up to buy a house, if I had more than 16,000 pounds in my account, they would take the benefits away. So then I'd have to pay for everything myself and then I'd have no savings left. So I couldn't save to buy a house. So you get penalized for getting your shit together, so to speak. So if I got my shit together so I could buy a house. Not saying you didn't have it, but I'm just saying if you made adult decisions and are like, cool, I want a house now. Uh, by the way, we're taking your benefits. Yeah. So then then I'd have to find double the amount of money for my rent and more money to for childcare and all these things. So my savings would have been eradicated. So you couldn't get out of it. So I just ended up using any extra money that I managed to put together to go on holidays and we'd have adventures instead. It worked. Um, and then COVID hit and that business that I'd worked so hard on for years. And I had a team of five people that had just, I'd started getting work for them as well through LinkedIn. Um, I got lots more business and was growing the business. And I was thinking, oh, you know, maybe there's a, a viable future in this. And then COVID hit and none of my clients could see their clients. So they weren't generating work for me. And I kept enough work coming in for me 
but not for my team. Um, most of them were homeschooling their children and didn't have time to work anyway. So then I started to panic. I was like, okay, there's not really any future in this business. I'm, I'm, I've reached my limit. Like I could grow, but I'm never going to earn masses more. And I'm always going to have to work really hard because there's not much of a, a margin on transcription work. So because of COVID, I had to kind of think outside the box. And because I was having a lot of success on LinkedIn in generating leads, a lot of people were coming to me and asking for advice. And then when I gave them advice and they followed it, they were finding it really worked and they were generating work as well. So I thought, hey, maybe I can make enough money to pay for a holiday or at least keep things going until business gets back to normal and COVID sort of goes away. And that was the 29th of April, 2020. I hosted my first free LinkedIn training session for somebody and said, hey, do you think you'd pay for this? And they went, yeah, definitely, definitely. So I charged, started charging £99 for an hour. And for context, I was probably making about £120 per day with transcription. So for me, I'm charging £99 for one hour of my time was like mind-blowing, like really mind-blowing. So I started offering that out in the end of May last year. And I got booked up very quickly. And I found that I was booking two or three sessions a day. And I was making a lot of extra money. Then I think it was about August, a few people who I'd coached had said, you're not charging enough. You're providing so much value. This is outrageous that you're charging £99 for it. So I put very reluctantly, because I felt deeply uncomfortable from my own like money issues, because I was raised without much money, I reluctantly put my prices up to £199 for an hour and a half of my time. And very quickly, I was booked up like completely booked up. And I was doing that thing when someone starts earning lots of money, I was like, oh my God, just book all the sessions, book as many as people can give me. And I was booking like two, sometimes three a day. And I was like, oh my God, all this money is coming in. This is amazing. I'm going to be able to save for a house. And it just kept coming. The work kept coming. And I started creating resources that would help other people to create great content for LinkedIn and train them how to, like what is good content so that they didn't have to always think of their own ideas. And those went down amazingly. I think I, I sold one of them. It was It's not cheap. And I sold over 100 of them in the first couple of months. That was like £10,000 I'd made from, from those on its own. And for context, that's what I used to make in like in more than six months. It used to take me to earn, like I would probably in a year make about £12,000, £12, in profit. Yeah. I want to go kind of back, all the way back to the transcription piece. Like, Okay, clearly a lot of us had to pivot during COVID, but your emotional and time investment and building a team and, you know, some of these people now are under unique circumstances where you can't support them and everything else. Was there any part of you that was like, then, not now, but then that was like, this is a blessing in disguise because I'm not really feeling that. I'm doing it, but I'm not sure I'm feeling it. I had been thinking that for a while. I mean, because of my situation as a lone parent, and because I could work from home, and because of the benefits that I was getting, I was trapped. So if I had gone to get an employed position, I would have been earning too much by the way the tax system works in the UK. If I'm earning 25 grand as a salary, I wouldn't have been entitled to benefits. But if I'm earning £25,000 as a self-employed person, obviously they're taking all the deductions out for home, working at home costs. So all of my business expenses come out of that and the profit after that is what they put down as my earnings and then I get taxed. So 
if I'd gone into employed position, I would have lost my money and I wouldn't have been able to afford to live how we were living and rent the house that we were renting. Um, so I was, I was stuck and I didn't want to do transcription anymore. I was struggling with a lot of back pain. I was having severe shoulder pain and I was visiting a chiropractor for it. My hands had started seizing and I was having really bad pains in my hands and my arms to the point I was using like strapping on my hands and taking really strong painkillers because 10 years of typing and I type crazy fast, it really does, it's not good for your muscles. So I was physically and mentally drained from doing it for so long. Physically sounds like a shit show, okay? And then you're talking about on the actual compensation side, like it's a lose-lose in in a way, right? Like you can't scale because then you'll get kind of kicked to the bottom. Talk to me about the energy in which you approach the work itself, though. I mean, like, and the reason I say this is because I think a lot of us as entrepreneurs, including me, may start whatever business or our second business or third business or whatever and be like, this was fun next. And it it doesn't mean it's a life sentence, whatever it is you settle on in the beginning. So can you talk to me about where you were as far as like having a passion or energy to just do that aside from the financial barriers and the physical pain? I didn't have any passion for it anymore. Um, What I enjoyed was working with the people and I enjoyed being in control of my own life, but the actual work I found soul destroying, if I'm completely (laughs) honest. Like, I really liked the clients that I worked for, but typing up medical reports about car accidents for so long every day or focus groups. I mean, I did focus groups on experiences with banks or, you know, motorway service stations and jewelry boutiques and groups of people talking about what they do and don't like in a jewelry shop. I'm like, oh my God, it was so hard to stay motivated And I would, it would be really a struggle for me to focus for long periods of time. And I'd have to do them in bite-sized chunks because I was just like, oh my Lord, this is so dull. And it did become soul destroying. It was, and it was too easy. I wasn't challenged. And I'm the kind of person that I, I thrive on learning new things. And that's probably the only thing that kept me remotely interested and able to do it was because I was learning every day. So while I might not have been doing something that particularly interested me, my brain was still reasonably stimulated in that I was learning about new things, new products, new new ways of thinking. And especially when I did interviews and podcasts, I found what I was listening to interesting. Um, and I worked on some amazing projects over the years, so it wasn't it wasn't all bad. But I think when I logged on to LinkedIn and I started seeing other people like me, um, and I started realizing that there was more. I was able to do and this is I guess where it might go a little bit deep but I have I mean for anybody that hasn't seen me that's listening to this I've got bright blonde hair I've got tattoos from my chin to my toes to my fingertips I've got stretched earlobes I don't look corporate and so I left school at 16 I dropped out at 16 due to my own mental health and that education just not being right for me at that point and I was told without question that I would never work in corporate. I would never have a good job unless I pursued university and college without qualifications and without training. I would never make it in life. And that was my prophecy. And I fulfilled it. I did small office jobs and I worked in shops and, and cafes and pubs. And then I started like being an office manager for a small company. And then I had my little typing business. So that was it for me. That was, I felt with the transcription business that I'd achieved more than people expected me to. 
Does it matter though? Like, this is so interesting. I mean, like, were you like, cool, fuck you, like proved you wrong? Or did you realize during the duration of you proving others wrong and exceeding expectations to an extent that you were like, which I, I kind of feel like this is rhetorical, but I don't know, that here in the last year, you were just like, I never needed to be doing that. I could have been doing this the whole time. I could have been doing exactly whatever I wanted. There is an element of wishing I had pushed the boundaries sooner, but I felt like I was pushing the boundaries. By starting my own business at 26 and running my own business and getting by and being able to afford, I mean, I had to scrape and be very careful with my money, but I afforded some amazing adventures with my son. And for me, I was just like, I never expected to be able to do these things. And I felt like I had achieved a lot. I've always known I had an unusual brain. Like I've always known that I react to things and see things in a slightly different way to other people. I've not ever really thought too much about it. I've just put it down to me being a bit quirky. And then I logged on to LinkedIn and I'm surrounded by other entrepreneurs who also, a lot of them have ADHD. Yeah, oh yeah. And are quite high functioning anxiety and all the different things that I didn't even really understand or know of. And suddenly I wasn't quirky anymore. I was just normal. And my brain moving so rapidly all the time and my inability to focus and constantly having ideas bouncing about my brain, I went, I'm not weird. I'm a non-entrepreneur. And so when I started trying to do something more, and when I started training with LinkedIn and all these more ideas came to me and my natural ability to market myself and others it was like the stars aligned and all the experiences I have had over the years aligned to one thing that I was really good at and being able to then leverage it and turn it into a successful business. Yeah, it's just, it does feel like all the stars aligned just at the right time. And then COVID came along and, and gave me that push and said, you've got to, because there was a few people around me who I'd befriended on LinkedIn that said to me, one person in particular that said, don't train LinkedIn. It's so cliche. People will laugh at you. You've only been doing it for six months. What can you possibly know? And I thankfully didn't listen and did it anyway. And, you know, I've had a fair amount of success with it. <laughs> yeah. There's a couple things I want to talk about. So, so one is you started to say to yourself, like, I can teach this and I'm going to do it for 99 pounds and whatever. But what were the indicators to you? And this is just uh, uh, for entrepreneurs listening, like this does not have to be social media specific. Leah clearly had some signals that this is something she could charge for, not only by the help she was giving, but what were some of the indicators in terms of maybe engagement, following, connection, things like that, that kind of gave you that push as well, in addition to COVID to be like, I got something here. I started posting regularly on LinkedIn in about October, 2019. And within two months, I'd gone from 400 followers to over 10,000, um, which I didn't know was unusual. Uh, <laughs> I, wasn't, I wasn't chasing numbers. I wasn't looking at my follower count. And it wasn't until somebody said to me, that's ridiculously fast. I went, is it? Because I'm not one of those people that's like watching the numbers go up. I It wasn't why I was on LinkedIn. I was on LinkedIn to generate some new business for my typing business. And so I think by the time I started training people on LinkedIn, I was at about 20,000 followers and I'd had 60 or 70 inbound clients in the space of about five months. And, and it was easy for me. I'd never done any cold outreach. People just wanted to reach out. They remembered what I did. My content was generating a lot of business for me. 
And that's why I guess I started realizing that content came easily to me. Selling myself without being salesy came easy to me. And when I guided other people to do it, they were having success using my methods. Not my methods, but methods that I was using that other people teach, but I was having success teaching as well. So it was a a natural ability that I didn't know I had. So... Here's something that's really important. I, I for, for people listening, I know Leah well. And looking at you and knowing you and everything like that, I also know that you've encountered some of the bullshit that goes on on some of these social media platforms. But really, you know, we know it exists on LinkedIn, where you kind of mentioned it earlier. You're tatted up, you're blonde, blue eyes, you have... Big breasts. I mean, you know what I'm saying? Like, look, like he's, I have to say it because, like, pe- you've gotten messages and shared messages about this, right? There's all these things that people who would probably never intend to buy from you anyway would attribute to the reason that you're getting any engagement, which couldn't be fucking further from the truth. So when you're starting to have success and you're like, okay, I'm getting inbound leads, I'm getting followers, but then there's that other camp of people who are kind of raining on this parade. You said the stars aligned. And then all of a sudden, at the same time, it's like, wait a second, there's trolls? Like, here I am arriving, and you're trying to take it away. Talk to me about that experience. And and if you ever feel the inclination to prove them wrong again, other people wrong again, because of how you look. I think I've always had a certain amount of stereotyping because of the way I look. And actually, a lot of people misconstrue the way I choose to present myself as wanting attention. I started getting tattoos for the opposite reason. When I started getting tattoos 20 years ago, women weren't very often tattooed. It was a way of keeping people away, certainly not a way of getting attention. I wanted people to stay away from me. And I had black hair and baggy clothes. And I didn't because I started getting male attention when I was about 13, 14, and I hated it. So I covered myself up and I hid myself. And I learned in my 20s that I wasn't going to be like that anymore. And I was just going to be who I was. Screw what anybody else thought. Um, And so now I'm comfortable in my own skin. And what wound me up, I think, was, you know, a woman who has small breasts and who isn't conventionally attractive could post a picture of herself holding an ice cream in a vest top. And no one would say that she was trying to sell her image. But if I do it because of how I look, I'm accused of trying to sell my appearance, my business with my appearance. But it's only based on how people perceive me. Not, not, it's not my fault that I look the way I look. I look the way I look because that's just, you know, I've got the genetics my family gave me and I like to be tattooed. If I'm pictured in a vest top holding an ice cream, I'm going to look a certain, I'm going to be received a certain way that's different to how she is, but I'm going to be accused of harnessing my appearance to market my business because of how they perceive me when actually I'm not doing anything more than she is. We're we're doing the exact same thing. We're just being the face of our brand and sharing, you know, we're having an ice cream on a Sunday afternoon. It's not a big thing. I've had women message me that they don't like that. I need to show cleavage to to sell my, my, (laughs) the majority of my clients are women. Yes. Women, not men. I do work with a lot of men, but they are all respectful and the majority are women. So their theory that it's all, it's, it's all based on my appearance. It's not all based on my appearance. And if it was all based on my appearance, then the methods that I'm teaching wouldn't be working for 60 year old men. No chat. (laughs) You know, it's, it, yes, I'm not going to deny how I look has definitely aided me in the growth 
of my business. But for the first, probably the first eight or so months, I never, ever put a video on LinkedIn where you could see below my collarbone because I was very conscious of the fact that people would make that assumption that if I showed my ample chest, not like have it out, but if I had any sort of hint at it, even just in a t-shirt, people would make assumptions. And then I decided, well, actually, I'm not going to edit how I behave because I do wear vest tops and jeans and I do rock around in band t-shirts or gym wear. Like I don't, I'm not a corporate, I don't wear a suit and I don't dress in a two twin peak set and pearls. That's not me. And that was never me. And I'm not going to change myself to avoid trolls making nasty judgments. Yeah. And I mean, I think, I think all it takes is an interaction with you to, to realize that that's accurate. And, and it's really, I mean, the bullshit meter never flutters uh, when I'm talking to you or when I feel like other people interact with you. And I feel like that's amazing. But I want to talk about you saying how you understood how to market yourself Especially, I mean, and I know you're on TikTok and and Instagram as well, and you're doing very well there, but on LinkedIn specifically where your business has exploded, again, it's one of those situations where you're kind of coming in and you say, I'm around people like me who are entrepreneurs, but you're not around people like you because it is the kind of the buttoned up platform, so to speak. And I think people like you and I try and dispel that rumor, like, look, it's a place for everybody. But at the same time, if you look at some of the other female creators out there, there's no one that looks like you or anything like that. So what do you say to women who maybe have edge or just their own takes on things, but feel like they kind of got to really be maybe more entertaining and, and slightly buttoned up like a lot of the other creators out there that we see? I say you're doing yourself a disservice because you're pretending to, you're trying to please people that aren't going to be pleased by you not being yourself. You will, I mean, one of the beauties of being my entirely myself on LinkedIn And I say that, like, we all have to slightly edit ourselves on LinkedIn because it is quite censored and you you have to be careful um, (laughs) or you get booted off. But generally speaking, I'm a good sort of 97% me on there. And I think the beauty of it is I never come face to face on a Zoom call with somebody that I don't like because everybody buys because they know who I am and they want to work with me based on that. So I know that I'm going to like them. They're my dream clients because we have fun and every session is fun. It's always fun. So I think when you are 100% or as close as you can be 100% yourself, you attract those dream clients that cannot wait to work with you. And what's better, even if you don't like your job very much, if you're working with people that you adore working with, it's fun and you can enjoy it. So uh, for me, I've spent so many years doing a job that didn't fulfill me and didn't challenge me and I worked alone all the time because it's a very lonely job transcribing and now I get to socialize every day with new people I'm face to face with a new person on a daily basis and especially during COVID as a lone parent I was on my own like there were no grown-ups around and so being able to have conversations with adults on a daily basis was a saving grace for me Yeah. So clearly we know you know LinkedIn in and out and that you can help people achieve various degrees of goals that they hope to achieve from a professional platform like that. I I know I've seen you on, you know, other platforms and, and it's equally captivating and entertaining, but 
there's more. And we talked about it before we were recording where you're working on several other things and things, certain things you can't necessarily talk about, but where you said to yourself, and I wrote it down, I keep saying smart stuff. And you're like, I'm like, who is that saying smart stuff? And then the second thing you said was, it's kind of like an out-of-body experience. And the reason I wanted to bring this up and the reason I wrote that down immediately was because your pre-business success, so to speak, was predicated on really transactional-ish work. This desire of yours to really tap into your creativity seems to have grown it as well. Can you talk to me about what's been unfolding in terms of your business acumen and your creativity? One of the things that's come to the fore, bear in mind, I had only ever worked with my own business, really. And I had no concept of marketing or personal branding or anything before this, which I guess is mind-blowing for a lot of people. One of the things that I've realized is part of my success is that I have never worked in corporate. So I've never felt the pressure to people please or be part of a, a, a small cog in a huge machine. I've never been, I've never had that pressure. I didn't go to university. I dropped out of school at 16 because I didn't fit in and I've carried on not fitting in and I've learned to be okay with not fitting in. And that has definitely been a huge bonus because I don't do things the way other people do. And I haven't been influenced by other people's ways of doing things. I'm almost like brand new and fresh and untarnished in a lot of ways. So I did a, an in-person training event last summer. I've never even been to a training event. And I walked in there and I plugged my laptop in and I was like, well, let's give it a go. Um, <laughs> I just released a digital course, which is being released amazingly. I've never done a digital course. I've never even been through one of my own. I've never, because I don't want to do it like everybody else. Yes. So I'm breaking the rules with everything and I'm doing it my own way and I'm doing it based on impulse and what I see people want and what they like and how they respond to things and how they respond to me. And I'm absorbing all of that knowledge and I'm using it to create the things that I need, like the content resources. All of my clients said, it's content that I struggle to come up with. And I was like, well, Instagram do these content calendars and there's nothing like it for LinkedIn. So I'm like, I'm going to make some. And no one else, people were doing like individual prompts, but nothing like what I was creating. And I was not just helping people to create good content. I was teaching them what is good content and how they can form it and the kinds of questions they need to think about around a subject and how to get their audience engaged. There was so much more to it. And I'm, I do something and I learn and I do something and I learn because I'm, I'm surrounded by knowledge and people that know more than me and I'm absorbing it all constantly. That's how I learn so much better. Instead of being intimidated by it, yeah. which is like the gift. That's the real gift. But I don't pretend to know everything. I went onto yeah. LinkedIn knowing that I was naive and willing to learn. And I said to somebody the other day, I posted a job ad because I'm recruiting for a PA who I have recruited and she starts next week. Um, and um, I, I didn't do a very good job. And instead of being kind and messaging me and saying actually you could have done this better here's an idea a recruiter came onto it and said this is a shit job ad it's a good job you're good at LinkedIn and I was like that's not helpful and I literally had said I have never recruited before I've never written a job ad I said that in the post I was like it's like it's like pushing over a toddler who's learning to walk like why why wouldn't you say you know it's a good first try but I would suggest it and the person was a recruiter like You are literally perfectly positioned to give me advice and say why it's not very good and how I could improve it 
but instead you just decide to tell me it's shit. Like, what was the point of that? What positivity comes out of that? So I deleted the comment because I thought, well, there's no point in that person's comment there. And I edited the post to try to make it better. And I recruited. So obviously I did a good job because I got a member of staff from it. But the point, the point that I'm trying to make with that is that I am openly naive and I don't pretend to know everything because I know that I've never been in these environments and everything is a new experience. I am I am laying the tracks as I as my runaway train is zooming along. Like I'm just like this, you know, constantly laying new tracks because I'm I'm things are happening so fast for me. Like my business has grown and I'm like, Jesus, I need business insurance and I need this and I need that. And I don't even know about all of these things because I've never had to do any of this before. And you know, everything is such a a big new experience and it's intimidating, it's overwhelming, like mentally draining. So to have someone come along and just go, like, you could have helped, you know? But that's, I think that's been one of the strengths that people have resonated with as well on LinkedIn and with the audience that I've built is that I am openly naive. I don't pretend to have all the answers. And I'm okay with the fact that I'm a 36-year-old woman finding her way in the world of business. And it's a brand new territory for me. And I don't shy away from being wrong or screwing up. And if I do, I do it with integrity and I own it and say, you know, I'm sorry I didn't do that correctly. Let me put it right. You don't strike me as someone who has to say I'm sorry a lot anyway. <laughs> I mean, just like, like you're just on it. I'm I'm quite reasonably sensitive to people. Um, my emotional intelligence is very good, but I tend to approach a situation like I will put someone in their place in a in as kind of, I mean, you've seen me. You, you guys all call me yeah. the, the hammer on the on Clubhouse. Like I'll I'll put, I'll put someone in their place or or be quite upfront with advice, but I try to do it in a way that is kind of playful or or reasonably charming but helpful. Um, I know it's just my way. I'm quite cutthroat sometimes. I don't mean to be. Sometimes, sometimes it just happens. It sneaks up on us. But yeah. here's a couple of things I, I want to mention about what you were just talking about. And you can disagree with my assertion if necessary. But when you say you're openly naive, I resonate with that because I am, but I also want to know so much. I, I finally feel like I've arrived at a time in my life, but where I'm in a demeanor that allows me to absorb all the times I was supposed to be absorbing and never really worked out. So the reason I'm mentioning that is because I feel like you win because if you're openly naive and if you're in receive mode and you're gathering all this knowledge, I believe, knowing you, that there's a part of you that's like, I'm going to close this gap on all you motherfuckers who really are formally educated in this and doing all these things. Like, I'm doing it as we speak. So when you say you're building, laying the tracks on a runaway train, I agree, but I believe that you're like that because you know you could close the gap. Am I right or am I wrong there? No, I know. I know I can. I got asked me a year ago, I would have said absolutely no way. But I have people who have like degrees and 20 years. I literally had a lady who's been in marketing for 20 years message me and just be like, you're absolutely amazing. I've got, you know, friends that work in marketing that are like, you are a genius at this. You just know. You just know what you're doing. You know what people want. You know what people are going to respond to. You know how to speak to people in a way that engages them and educates them and entertains them all at once. It's a gift and you're naturally good at it. Obviously, it's one that I've been unaware of the majority of my life. And it's hard for me because I'm not that kind of person that normally would be able to take those kind of compliments. 
But I think I've got to a point now where I, I'm kind of, I need to stop playing this, oh, wow, this innocent little girl that's gone into business and gone, oops, look at me, I'm being super successful. Gosh, I don't know how this has happened. And I have to walk, sort of step into my confidence and say, no, I'm actually nailing this. I am going to be a millionaire. I know it. I, and that's, that's not from me. That's from the people around me. You're going to be rich. You're going to be very wealthy. That's not my goal. That's not where I'm, this is not the reason that I do what I do. I'm about to be able to buy a house. I cannot even explain to you how much that means as a lone parent who's grown up with nothing, you know, on government assistance, that I'm going to be able to buy a four bedroom detached house. This time last year, I never would have believed anybody that told me that in a million years. I never thought, me and my son have moved six times and he's not even six yet. So for us, it's absolutely life-changing, but I also know it's just the beginning. And I finally believe that what I'm building and I'm learning the skills to diversify my income streams. I've got people grabbing at me from every direction because they want to do business partnerships. They want me to um, represent their brands, all sorts of stuff. People are snapping at my heels, which is exciting and overwhelming. And I have to be very careful with what I'm saying yes to and where I put my energy because I still have a, a home to run and a child to raise and dogs to care for. <laughs> so, uh, you know, my my responsibilities are divided, but I know that I have, I had a conversation with my best friends that I've known for like almost my whole life. And I said, I'm going to buy this, I'm going to buy a house and it's a four bedroom house and it's around 400,000 pounds. And I, and they went, are you sure you need a four bedroom house? Mm-hmm. Should you not get something cheaper? What if none of this works out? What if you don't, what if, you know, that all of this stops and you're not able to make the mortgage payments? I said, well, if that happens, I'll downsize my house. But I've, at least I'm on the property ladder and I don't want to buy something small and then have to move in a couple of years. Yeah. But they don't understand what I do and they don't really understand why it's so valuable because they're employed and their earnings are finite. They are on a salary. And they said to me, well, what if you can't afford it? I said, I'll always be able to afford it. They were, but I said, if I, if I need more money one month, I do more coaching sessions. I do a group coaching. I sell more products. I advertise more. My earnings each month are, not, are only based on how much time I will have per week to, to earn. And when I've got my passive income, I'm working on passive income streams at the moment. My digital course is going to be going out automated and all of that. That's going to be making me enough to cover my mortgage on its own. And having to have those conversations with employed people, they can't understand. If I want to make an extra £5,000 next month, I just do another five coaching sessions. This is so, so, so important for people to hear because you are hearing not, you're not hearing arrogance, you're hearing confidence. And more importantly, you're hearing what Andy Frisella likes to call the winner's mindset, which is someone who is like, of course I'm taking the risk. Because you don't look at it as a risk because you're betting on yourself. You're not putting it in someone else's hands. For me, the risk is in how I will feel if I don't try. That's a bigger risk for me. If I have this opportunity to become a millionaire and to buy a home that I can live in comfortably for the rest of my life and to move overseas and travel the world with my son, maybe get speaking gigs all over the world, which is my real goal. I have my first one lined up next week, and then I've got some keynotes that are potentially being offered. I have been, TEDx has been thrown around as a potential, I've been keyed up for that. Um, 
I want to get on stages and I want to travel. I want to take my son with me. I want to travel the world together doing what I'm passionate about and teaching people about the power of of true human connection, whether you're online or in person, networking and reading people to market better and creating content that speaks to people. That's what I'm passionate about. And that's what my natural ability is for. And I'm, I would regret it. I could never, ever, like if I hadn't taken the risk on jacking in my decent paid job to start my own business when I was 26 and they all said, are you sure? Are you sure you should do that? I was like, the worst comes to the worst. I just get another job. Like if it goes wrong, I get another job. I moved to New Zealand when I was 24. I didn't like it and I came back after six months. I gave up my job and my car because why not? What was stopping me? My friend said, are you sure you can manage with a baby on your own when I was 29? And I went, yeah, I'll be fine. <laughs> like, obviously, there's no going back for that one. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> but, but if I want something, it will happen. And that's not me being arrogant. That is, I will work until it happens. I never dared to dream big in the past because I thought that was, it didn't even enter my head that I would ever be able to be taken seriously by a corporate world. And now I am. So why wouldn't I ride that roller coaster as far as I can possibly go? All right, everyone, really quick. You heard Leah talk about how she has a VA now, okay? Look, did you hear her talk about how she's scaling and she needs help? You need help too, okay? If you're an entrepreneur and you don't have someone who's kind of that right hand or right arm to you, then you need to look at Rocket Station, who sponsors this podcast, okay? And you could go to landing.rocketstation.com or you could email brooks at rocketstation.com and you need to check them out because that is what allows me to operate effectively and just as a killer every single day because I'm not bogged down by all the nonsense, okay? And I'm not saying that my assistant or ops lead, Ellie, has to deal with all the nonsense. She's just way better at managing it and organizing it than I am. And it would make no sense considering some of the premium rates that we charge for some of the things that we do for me to do some of these things on a daily basis. Just think, there's 10 minute tasks, 15 minute tasks that you look at and you say to yourself like, okay, I mean, it's only 10 minutes. Okay, over the course of a week, it's almost an hour. And then if it's almost an hour, it's almost four hours a month. And then if you do that times 12, 48 hours, 50 hours a year, think about it. You don't have that kind of time. So check out Rocket Station. My business would not be what it is without the help they provided me with. They will help you process, map out what you need done for you on a regular basis. And then you'll begin the interview process. Check them out. Let them know you heard about them from me and you will get a discount if you end up doing business with them, which I highly suggest you do. Let's get back to the show. So people, if you're listening and and you've made it to this point, I think it's important that I, I kind of ask Leah how some of the things that she has discovered to be instinctual and intuitive, and I don't want to say easy, but but just it comes a little bit faster to her than others. How do you tell people who might be in a similar situation to you a year ago, where they're one foot in, one foot out, mentally they're probably checked out, they know they have other talent, they want to start something, they're not necessarily risk averse, but they're like, how am I going to teach this? Or how can I educate people on this? It's, it's, 
it's instinctual to me. I don't know how to formalize this because I'm pretty sure you weren't sure at the beginning either. But what would you say the first step for someone is who, who wants to lean in? Ask people around you. That's the biggest one is say to people, what do you see that I do that other people don't do? Because that's been the core for me. And then listen to them. Because where it might feel uncomfortable when they say you're really, really good at this, because if you're anything like me, that does feel very uncomfortable when people compliment you. And I'm having to get more used to it now and just accept that it's not me being arrogant by saying I'm good at this. It's me being confident and assertive and saying this is what I'm good at and this is how I'm going to be so be super successful and change my son's life. Listen to the people around you and ask them the questions like, what is it that you see me doing that other people don't do? What do you see are my strengths? What do you see are my weaknesses? Where can I improve? That feedback is crucial in your own growth. And I would also say, Work really hard on getting that side hustle of what you want to a point where you are safe to jump, but leave just before you're really safe. Yeah. Because I was still running the transcription business up until February this year, and it wasn't really making me any profit. I had another transcriber who was basically doing it all, and I wasn't making any profit. But when something went wrong, it was me that did it. And I was like, I'm not making enough money to be bothered with this. This isn't isn't worth it. And that was my plan A all along. LinkedIn was my plan B. And then LinkedIn became my plan A. And I kept my plan B. The minute I dropped my plan B, I flew. And I went from earning, like I earned about 60, 50, 60 grand last year in the first, like the last half of the year. And I've made a hundred grand since. You've got to let go of the deadwood for you to be able to really fly. Yeah. It's so hard to convey that. And I know what you're saying to be true, that once it has all of your focus, it's it's just your mind never stops with what you can do, how you can improve, how you can serve better. Uh, the dreams get bigger. You start envisioning, like you're saying, speaking on stages across the world and bringing your son along with you and and all these great things. The last thing I kind of wanted to cover was, you know, here you are clearly on an ascent. Okay, things are looking well, and you are happy. What would you say to other people who are maybe on the come up to be like, dude, watch out though. There's still plenty of obstacles and plenty of barriers. How do you keep yourself grounded um, to even though once, because you know, once you taste that success, it's addicting, right? It's like you could be on a golf course and you suck for 17 holes and you have one good hole and you're like, oh, I'll come back. <laughs> but anyway, how do you, how do you stay grounded? <laughs> my, son, my son keeps me grounded. My son keeps me grounded all the time. I, I, I posted on LinkedIn today. So a couple of days ago, we were in the supermarket and he'd made a superhero potato from some TV show, Super Potato or something. It's a Peppa Pig thing, but he'd made this potato into a superhero at school and brought it home with him. And he insisted on bringing it into the grocery store. And we're standing there in the grocery store with all these people around us. And there's uh, some Power Ranger toys. And he says, mommy, can I have a Power Ranger? I said, no, you've already got Power Rangers. And he looked down at his potato. He looked at all these other people and he goes, it's not fair. You only let me play with potatoes. (laughs) (laughs) And obviously I'm like, oh my God, all these people just think I give my son vegetables to play with. (laughs) And you know, those sorts of things keep me very much grounded. I'm still tidying up 
when my puppy rips a toy apart. I do all of, you know, I'm, I'm deeply, deeply awkward with new people quite often, especially in person. I'm a lot more comfortable on Zoom calls now than, than in person. I started being approached by people in the street who recognize me, which I find very odd. Very, I mean, they're always very polite, but it for me, it's a very odd experience that it, it's, you know, it's not some, not that it happens all the time, but it's happened about a dozen times now. And it's like, oh my God, this is weird. I don't find it hard to stay grounded. I think if I'm speaking to anybody who's on the come up, I would say, check your ego. Stay in your lane with what you're giving advice on. There are some influencers that you see out there that are very quick to give opinions on things that they have absolutely no experience or expertise in and you've got to be careful and it you know they might argue that we've got to give everybody the respect that they can make their own minds up but we live in a world where people eat laundry detergent and carry petrol in plastic bags so I don't think sometimes when you've got a huge amount of influence that relying on people's intelligence is generally the best excuse I think we have a certain amount of responsibility to not not inflate situations or comment on things that could be dangerous or, you know, in some way damaging to people. I would say check your ego and be careful of who you surround yourself with. That's something that I am really facing at the moment. Everybody wants a piece. And that's not me being arrogant. That is, I am from all angles, people want me to be on podcasts or to advertise their products or to be involved in their brand in some way, or they want something from me all the time, even if it's just free advice. And there's no self-awareness. They don't sort of think, well, actually, she's probably had 200 of these messages today. Mm -hmm. Should I really be asking for more? She gives away all this stuff for free. And I'm quite outspoken about it on LinkedIn to try and say to people, you know, have have a bit of respect before you're asking for something from people, give something first, because that's how I do it. I think those are the biggest things, but just be careful who is around you. And when you find someone that you can trust, hold them close and invest your time and energy into them, because that's a big one for me, is there have been people around me that I've gone, I can't trust you. And you're definitely not around me for the right reasons. You're after something. And be careful of the people that that want to see you fail because that's going to happen and that's a very unfortunate side of it but there have been people around me that they're not happy that I'm succeeding and that's just a painful truth yeah you know I forget where I heard or read it but it was something along the lines of just the people who want to see you fail like it's not it's not implicit it's not overt right but I forget. I think the analogy was like, just look around at who's clapping when you're winning, and whoever's not clapping actually wants you to fail. It's like it's 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 kind of like a subtle signal, but yeah, that that's a hard uh, detector to kind of pick up. Uh, but I I do I do know what you mean that you know it, it's also hard to miss uh, once you recognize it, and and it's difficult. But um, look, I, I want to make sure people know uh, where they can find you for all things LinkedIn and for branding and just. Just really good fucking content. But uh, tell tell everyone where they could find you and where they should follow you. Um, so they can follow me on Instagram at Leah Does LinkedIn, which is L E A no H on the Leah. Um, Leah Turner on LinkedIn. Obviously, you'll probably find me with the rainbow. LeahTurner.co.uk. You can see all of the services and products that I offer, including my digital course, my content resources. 
and the different trainings that I offer. But I am now fully booked until September. So that's what, eight weeks away. I'm fully booked for the next eight eight weeks, yeah. which is always nice. Um, yeah. <laughs> you forgot to mention that you were in the e-commerce business, but your mug, I now have a limited edition Liam mug. We do have a limited edition <laughs> because we had some problems with the delivery and I went, you know what, it's not worth it because I'm not making <laughs> much money on them. So I'm not going to bother. So they go, I'm going to buy a stock of them when I have a, a house. So I'll, yes. have, I'll have them to give out as gifts. Well, I, I use it pretty regularly and it always reminds me of what an awesome person you are. So thank you, oh, thank uh, you. for being on the Leadership Blocker and thank uh, you, everyone who listened. Please just make sure you go follow. I, I could tell you from personal experience, I actually think Leah's, she said she's openly naive, but she's also open about how much she could still learn from other people. Um, and I feel the same way, which why I had zero hesitation when Leah offered me uh, one of her products to just kind of help me with a couple of things. And here I am, someone who thinks I know everything about LinkedIn. And some of those posts as a result of the prompts that she gave me fucking exploded. And I'm like, thank you, Leah. She just has a different mind, uh, a creative mind, and just really, really knows what's going on and, and how to just help brand yourself. So check her out. And Leah, thanks again. Thank you for inviting me. It's been an absolute pleasure. It's been good catching up. All right, everyone. Thank you so much. Go follow Leah right now. Go follow her on Instagram. Go follow her on LinkedIn. Learn from her. Enjoy her. She's just a down-to-earth human being who has her heart set on number one, uh, just elevating uh, her and her family's status to just enjoy life to the fullest and to go do what they want. But she also wants to make sure that you are able to amplify your inbound leads. She wants to speak to you. She wants to help your company not be boring as shit. So go check her out. And if you enjoyed it, please leave feedback. Please write a review. Leave us some feedback for the podcast. Um, We are on a tear. I want to continue that. And one of the ways that is able to happen is through your selfless 60 seconds of just saying, this podcast is what's up. Or I learned from this. Or I'm sharing this with a friend because they need to hear this. They need to hear stories of a 35-year-old who had a major career pivot and at 36 is completely redefining everything about what she's been doing up until this point and crushing it, by the way. Thanks for listening. Share it, review it, rate it, and we will see you next week.